let God transform your life as you listen to this inspiring sermon by Rev. Richard C. Whitcomb. Ruth's life was a mess. On the outside, everything looked normal. Ruth lived in a nice house with a nice husband and four nice children. But once you entered the front door of Ruth's home, her mess became obvious. You see, Ruth was a hoarder. Ruth kept everything that came her way, and she had stacked up her stuff till there was no place left to put anything. Old clothes that didn't fit, old newspapers she hadn't read, old water bottles she didn't throw away. Ruth kept this and more stacked up in her house. She was a woman who would never throw anything away. And somehow, Ruth and her family managed to navigate through the mess for many years. But then something happened that accelerated the mess in Ruth's home. One night, her husband came home from work, took off his trousers, put them on top of a cabinet. He went to bed, and he never woke up. Ruth's husband died in his sleep. And in her grief, Ruth began to hoard things even more. She refused to move her husband's trouser off the cabinet and left them right where he placed them before he died. She started accumulating more and more things, stacking them up in her bedroom until the room was so crowded there was no place left for her to sleep. For 25 years, Ruth's mess grew and grew until finally she could barely move inside her own home. She couldn't sit in the chairs. They were stacked with stuff. She couldn't sleep on the bed. It was stacked with stuff. She couldn't walk through her hallway. It was packed with stuff. Ruth had buried herself in her own house. Finally, her two daughters gave Ruth an ultimatum. Either the mess goes or you go. They told their mom she either had to move out of the mess or the mess would move her out. So with the help of her daughters and some professional movers, Ruth prayed for grace and got to work. It wasn't easy, but Ruth and her team started clearing out the mess. Ruth moved out of her mess the same way she got into her mess, one item at a time. There were times that Ruth wanted to quit. There were times she broke down in tears. But in the end, the pain of staying the same uh, was greater than the pain of change. And when she reached the place that she refused to tolerate the mess, change took place. Today, Ruth has been free of her mess for more than 10 years. And not only is her house clean and neat, but her life is also fixed up too. She's happier, healthier, and stronger since she overcame her mess. Is there a mess in your life today? Your mess may not be the same as Ruth's. Your mess may not be as bad as hers. But no matter where your mess is, we can all learn some important truths from Ruth's true story. You see, the way you got into your mess is oftentimes the very same way you have to get out of your mess. If you walked your way into a mess one step at a time, then you need to follow Jesus and walk your way out one step at a time. And if you're willing to tolerate the mess in your life, then you will not find the power to change. But when the pain of the mess is greater than the pain of change, God will come in and help you move out of your mess. 
That's the good news for all of us today. With God's help and your persistence, the mess in the mirror can become the mess in your rear view mirror. You can be delivered and live free. But before we find out how, let's bow our heads and pray. Almighty and everlasting Father, we thank you today that you are the mess fixer. You are the one who comes to save us from the mess in the mirror. Lord, we've learned already that the mess is inside of us. We've learned we can't fix it, but we've learned that we can depend upon you to clean up the mess and change us. So we come in humility today to ask you to move in our hearts and lives. Move inside of us. Help us to fix the mess address the mess in the mirror and change us we submit to you now we bind every voice of the devil that would come to steal the word of God out of our hearts we command every spiritual force of darkness to be silent and I loose the power of the Holy Spirit from heaven to come and move in our hearts to give us understanding of your word and grace to obey it I thank you by faith in Jesus name and everybody said amen I want to invite you to join your faith with me today put your hand on your chest and pray after me Lord Jesus speak to my heart change my life manifest your glory in me in Jesus name amen and amen well hello everyone and welcome to truth for today it's great to have you here with me as we continue our sermon series address the mess just tell your neighbor address the mess Throughout this sermon series, we're on a quest to discover how to find solutions for the messes in our lives. So before we go deeper into today's message, let's take a moment and recap what we've learned so far. We began this sermon series with the message, The Mess in the Mirror. And in that sermon, we learned that we all have to learn how to address the mess because we all have messes in our lives. You may be in a mess right now. You may have just come out of a mess. Maybe a mess coming right around the corner. No matter who you are or how good you appear on the outside, everyone, everywhere has experienced a mess in life. But whatever your mess and however it happened, I have good news for you today. Jesus can help you address the mess. Jesus is the great fixer. If you believe it, say amen. We moved on in sermon number two, titled Don't Mess Up, to learn that the three steps we can take when you're facing a mess. When facing a mess, the first truth is don't make the mess messier. Then, take time to discern God's message to you in the mess. And finally, you have to depend upon the Lord to get you out of the mess. And that brings us to today's sermon titled Moving Out of the mess. Now, to help us discover the truth for today, we prepared sermon notes. You can get your sermon notes free of charge on my website and my social media pages. So go ahead and download the notes and take them out and follow along with me as we discover the truth for today. There at the top of your notes is our scripture text. It's a couple of verses from Philippians 1, verse 6, and verses 9 and 10. I'd like to invite everybody to read it out loud with me today. Are you ready? Read it with faith read it like you mean it here we go Philippians 1 6 9 and 10 ready go I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns I pray that your love 
will overflow more and more, and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters, so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May the Lord bless the reading of his word to your heart today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Inside these powerful verses from Apostle Paul, we discover three truths to help you move out of your mess. And here's the first truth today, the promise of progress. Everybody say progress. Listen again to Philippians 1.6. I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So understand that God has a promise of progress for you. He has promised to move you out of your mess. If you will keep following him, your progress is guaranteed. See, friends, I've got a good word from God for you today. He has not abandoned you. He has not forsaken you. He has not forgotten you. God is going to complete the work he started inside of you. He's not finished with you yet. No matter the mess you're in, he is moving you out of your mess today in Jesus' name. Somebody said, I receive. See, God has promised to do it. He's the one who can do it. He's the great fixer, the mess remover, the problem solver, and he's promised to provide all the resources of heaven to move you out of your mess. You may feel weak inside. You may feel overwhelmed by the mess in your life, but the good news is God is on your side. He's working in you today to move you out of the mess. That's why he goes on in Philippians 2.13 and says, God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So I'm here to tell you today, do not give up. Do not back down. Do not lose heart. Do not look at the mountain of the mess in your life. Look at the mountain mover. It doesn't matter where your mess came from or how long you've been in the mess. God can change you and he can change your situation. Somebody say amen. And I'm here to prophesy over you today. You will have a testimony one day of what God God has done in your life. For God is no respecter of persons. It doesn't matter how far back you are. God has a promise for your progress. It doesn't matter how big your mess is. God is not finished with you. He will bring glory to your story. That's what God has done for everyone in the Bible who followed him. Think about the great men and women of God who came before you. Abraham. Abraham was an idol worshiper. Hey, he married his own sister. Oh, that's messed up. But God took an idol-worshiping, sister-marrying man and turned him into the father of faith. Moses was a murderer. He killed an Egyptian man. He ran from his call. He had all the opportunity in the world. He was raised in the palace of Pharaoh, but he messed it all up when he lost his temper and killed a man. Then he ran from God and hid in the desert for 40 years. But God took him from being a murderer on the backside of the desert and made him a leader of God's people. David was an adulterer. David was a 
a murderer, but God raised him up to be his anointed king. Peter was a boastful betrayer. He spent three years living close to Jesus, but in a moment of temptation, the people-pleasing spirit in Peter came out, and he betrayed his Lord. What a mess. But God kept working in him. God wasn't finished with Peter, and he's not finished with you. He brought glory to Peter's story and raised him up as a great apostle. And God is going to bring glory to your story and raise you up as apostle, raise you up as a prophet, raise you up as a man or woman of God that will change this generation. That's what happened to Apostle Paul. He was a blasphemer, and he persecuted the church. But God made him the greatest apostle who ever lived. He wrote most of the New Testament. He visited heaven. He planted churches. He preached the gospel. He raised the dead. He healed the sick. God brought glory to Paul's story. That's why he wrote in 1 Timothy 1, 15-17, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Somebody shout amen. All these men and women of history made a mess of their lives. But when they surrendered to God and followed Jesus, they entered into the promise of progress. And the same thing will happen for you. God always brings glory to the story of the man or woman who walks after him in faith. See, the fact is God loves you too much to leave you the way you are. He didn't just come to save you, get you to heaven. He came to bring you into his glory. Jesus didn't come just to get you off the street and into heaven. He came to make you new. He came to make you just like him. God is working to change you to look like Jesus. That's what God says in Romans 8, 29. Listen carefully. God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. So God's goal for you, God's goal for everyone before we were born is that we become just like Jesus. God doesn't want you just to be a believer. God wants you to be a becomer. We have a lot of believers in the world, but we don't have a lot of becomers. We have a lot of people who say, I believe in Jesus, but they are not becoming like Jesus. But God didn't call us just to believe in Jesus. He called us to become just like Jesus. And this is a lifelong journey. It never ends on this earth. We're all on a journey of progress. You are, I am. And as long as there is movement in your mess, you're making progress. I'm not yet who I want to be, but thank God I'm not who I used to be. Even Paul, the greatest apostle, was on a journey of progress in life. Listen to his words in Philippians 3.12. I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things, 
things or that I have already reached perfection. No, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. So understand what Paul is saying. He says, I'm not yet perfect. I'm not yet over my journey. I'm still a work in progress, but I'm pressing in. I'm pursuing it. I'm going after that goal, that purpose, that destiny, that I might attain the prize for which Jesus died for. For Jesus died to change you. Jesus died to complete you. Jesus died to make you just like him. And you may not be there yet, but if you follow Jesus, you'll keep heading in that direction. You're headed to perfection. You're headed to sanctification. And as long as you pursue God's purpose for your life, you will succeed. Somebody say, I will succeed. And that brings us to our second truth today. To help move you out of your mess, uh, you've got to understand the importance of uh, pursuit. Listen again to Paul's words in Philippians 1.9. I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. So God has called us to keep on growing. We're called to overflow more and more and more and more. Not just when we get saved, not just when we're filled with the Holy Ghost, but over and over every day through our lives, we're called to overflow. And this is a lifelong work in progress, so we must pursue it. We must be intentional about change in our lives. You see, friends, in order to continue to make progress requires your participation. It's not enough to believe the promise of progress. It's not enough to praise God for his promise of progress. You've got to be hungry for it. The truth is we have no revival in the church today because we are content to live without it. We have no holiness in most churches because we are content to live without it. But if the people of God would begin to hunger for God and seek his face, he will bring the revival he promised. And if you want to move out of your mess. You've got to be hungry for change. You've got to begin to hunger after God and the ways of God and the holiness of God and the power of God for the fact is you are as holy as you want to be. If you're hungry for God today, you will seek him and he will reward you. If you're hungry for something, you'll go out of your way to get it. I remember one time many years ago in the U.S., I'd gone for ministry, and I was driving from one city to another, probably going somewhere to preach. And for some reason that day, I wanted to eat tacos. Tacos are a Mexican food I love. Crunchy corn shell with meat and cheese and lettuce and tomato and onion. Hey, I love tacos. And I was hungry that day, and I wanted tacos. I was hungry for tacos. Everybody say tacos. I was driving down the road. I saw a KFC. I said, I'm not stopping at KFC. I want tacos. I was driving down the road. I passed a pizza hut. I said, I don't want pizza. I'm hungry for tacos. I was driving down the road. I passed a burger joint. I said, I don't want a burger. I want tacos. I was wondering, where are the tacos? I see KFC. I see pizza hut. I see a burger joint. I want tacos. My belly was rumbling. My hands were shaking, but I was hungry for tacos and I will not give up till I got my tacos. 
finally I saw a sign on the road. It said, tacos, next exit. I said, hallelujah. God has heard my prayer. It's tacos. I pulled off the highway. I turned right. I turned left. And then I saw the sign, tacos, 10 kilometers ahead. Hey, 10 kilometers. I could go to KFC. I could go to Pizza Hut. I could go to Burger. I said, ah. I want tacos. I tightened my belt. I put my metal to the pedal. I took the car. I said, I'm driving those 10 kilometers and I'm eating tacos today. Because when you're hungry for something, you'll pursue it. When you're hungry for God, you won't turn to the right. You won't turn to the left. You won't let anything distract you. No beautiful young lady whose polish matches her bag, who matches her shoes, who matches her blush. You won't be distracted. You'll pursue God. For there are a lot of things in life we cannot change but there is something you can change right now you can change your hunger you can change how desperate you are for God you can make a decision today I'm gonna pursue God I'm gonna go after him and be transformed I can't change you but I can change what I pursue I can't change other people but I can change the amount of zeal I have to pursue God See, if the problem in your life today is still the same problem in a year, then the problem is not the problem. You're the problem. See, here's the truth you need to pack up and take home with you. You cannot change what you are willing to tolerate. You can't move out of your mess when you're willing to tolerate your mess. If one year from today, you're still battling the same demons and you're still wandering around the same wilderness and you're still struggling with the same sin, then the problem is not the problem. You're the problem. Tell your neighbor he's talking about you. Now, I'm not talking about problems caused by other people. Many of you are facing a mess that's not your fault and didn't come from you. You married a mess. You're the parent of a mess. Your boss is a mess. You got dragged into somebody else's mess. I understand that. If your husband is a liar and a cheater and a hard-hearted evil drunkard, then he is the problem. You cannot change him, but you can change your reaction to his mess. Because if your reaction to your husband's mess is a problem, you can change that. If you are still bitter one year from now, and you still get angry and lose your temper one year from now, and you still gossip and gripe and grumble and go wild one year from now, then you also need to change. It's time for you to move out of your mess. And God has given you everything you need to accomplish all that he wants you to do, including time. We don't need more time. We need to use the time we have to pursue God. For 2 Peter 1.3 says, By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. So stop making excuses why you can't get out of your mess. Stop making excuses why you can't change. You have everything you need by the divine power of God to become the person God called you to be.
you have the promise of God. For 2 Peter 1, 4 says, God has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. You have the power of the Holy Spirit. For 2 Corinthians 3, 18 says, and the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. You have the indwelling power of Jesus Christ. For Colossians 1, 27 and 28 says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Christ in you is the hope of glory. Christ in you is the means of maturity. Christ in you is the grace to grow up. Christ in you is the catalyst to change. And the more Christ is in you, the more you move out of your mess. The more you surrender to Jesus, the more power you have to mature and become like Jesus. Once there was a man who was in a great spiritual battle. The man was not a Christian and he would wake up every night from a dream. In the dream, the devil would come pounding on his door. The devil would break into his door, come to the bedroom, drag the man out of bed and beat him every night. The man faced the same torture. He couldn't sleep. He had no peace. He was losing his mind. Every night he saw the devil coming and beating on his door and coming and beating him up. Finally, the man ran to the church and said, I need Jesus. Help me. And he prayed and asked Jesus to come into his life. But he did not surrender everything to Jesus. So when he prayed, he said, Jesus, come in. I will give you a room in my house where you can stay. Just a room. God bless you. Stay in that room and keep me safe. The man went home that night. He slept. And again, he had a dream. In the dream, the devil came and pounded on the door. The man woke up and saw the devil entering. The devil came to the bedroom and beat him up and left. In the morning, the man was weeping. He went back to the pastor. He said, Pastor, I don't know what happened. I asked Jesus into my house. I gave him a room to stay, but still the same thing happened. The devil came to beat him up. And the pastor said, well, the problem is you gave Jesus one room of your house. But if you surrender the whole house to him, then when the devil knocks on the door, Jesus will be the one to answer. And so the man gave his whole life to Jesus. He said, Jesus, take my house, pata pata, finish, top to bottom, right to left. I'm just an occupant under your control. That night, he dreamt. The devil came and pounded on the door. Jesus got up and opened the door. Jesus gave the devil a blow right, a blow left, a kick, a karate chop, and the devil went running away. And the man had peace. Because Jesus in you is enough if Jesus has enough of you. You can move out of your mess. You can grow in God. You can become mature and walk in victory. It doesn't come by your own power and strength. It won't come if you don't pursue it. But the grace to grow comes from God when you surrender everything to him. It may seem today like it's too big of a challenge for you to move out of your mess, but it's God's plan for you. If prayer is not necessary for you to achieve your goals, then you are not aiming high enough. 
You have a huge calling. You're destined to be like Jesus. You have a gargantuan future. You're destined to rule and reign in eternity with God. You have a massive mission. You are called to represent Jesus Christ on earth and win as many other people as possible. But your ability should not determine your vision. Your ability should not limit your goal. Don't let who you are today determine your vision. Let God's vision determine who you become. Go after God. Pursue Him. Get hungry for God. Make spiritual growth your priority. You plan for your education. You plan for your career. You plan for your marriage. You plan for your children. You plan for your retirement. You plan for your investment. Why won't you plan for your spiritual growth? You're not investing any effort in becoming like Jesus. I rebuke you. Your prayers are all centered around, give me a breakthrough, give me money, give me healing, give me miracle. Yet you don't spend a minute praying for God to change you. You don't spend any time investing in your character development so you can become like Jesus. It's time to move out of your mess. It's time to start moving toward God's goal. It's time to pursue the right priorities. For if your goal as a Christian is simply to avoid another mess, you lack the motivation to succeed. Years ago, the government was to build a great dam by creating a great huge lake. There was a certain village on the side of the river where the lake was going to come that had to be moved. The government knew that the dam would create a backup which would cause a huge lake which would flood the village. So they made reparations to all the people. They bought their land and property and gave them six months to relocate their village to a new place. But during that six-month period, when the people were getting ready to move, when they were building their new house somewhere else, during that six months, when they knew that where they were staying would one day soon become obsolete, they made no effort to maintain the town. There was no progress in the town at all. No one made any effort. No one did any repairs. No one built anything new. No one did anything at all. No one even wanted to replace the light bulbs. Everything became broken down because when there is no faith in the future, there's no power for the present. And if you're not focused on your future, if you're not focused on your progress spiritually, if you're not focused on becoming who God wants you to be, then you will invariably mess up. You'll have no power for today. But if you set your sight on God's plan, you have something to aim for. You'll be facing forward. Christianity is not just about being delivered from a mess. Christianity is not just about avoiding a mess. Christianity is about becoming who God wants you to be. God's goal for you is bigger. He wants you to be like Jesus. And when you focus on the goal ahead of you, then it motivates you to keep moving out of your mess. That's what we learn from the children of Israel. Listen to what the Bible says in Hebrews 11, 15 to 16. If they had been thinking about what they had left behind, they would have had an opportunity to go back. Instead, they were longing for a better country that is a heavenly one. 
Listen to what the Bible says. If you focus on the past and what you've left behind and what you've missed out on, you will be turning back every day. But when you set your goal on heaven and pursue heavenly goals, when you set your sight on God's purpose and priority, then you will keep chasing God. You'll keep getting hungry. You'll keep being desperate. If they looked back, they would have gone back. And that brings us to our third truth to move you out of the mess, the power of priorities. Listen to Paul in Philippians 1.10. I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. Think for a minute about what this verse is actually telling us. It's saying if you have the right priorities, if you follow what really matters, then you'll have the power to live pure and blameless lives. Holiness exists when we choose what really matters. We'll become pure when we follow what really matters. We will fulfill God's plan and purpose and live a life worthy of his calling. When we maintain the right priorities, we always end up moving out of our mess and living a pure and blameless life. That's why the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.9, we make it our goal to please him. So understand today, holiness is choosing what really matters. A lot of people don't understand holiness. They think holiness is the way you dress. Some believe that to be holy, you have to wear long sleeves and turtleneck. They think you have to have a head tie up to here and a wrapper down to there. But there are millions of people today with a head tie up to here and a wrapper down to there who are burning in hell because there is no wrapper long enough to cover a heart of hate and a mind of sin. Your priorities are wrong. Some people think holiness is how much you give. Offerings and seed offerings and harvest offerings and first fruit offerings and breakthrough offerings and anointed envelope offerings. These seem like the best way to show our commitment to Christ. And while it's true that you cannot be holy without giving, it's also true that you can give without being holy. There are a lot of people that think holiness is praying. The louder, the better. The longer, the prayer. But if you have the wrong priorities in prayer, God won't hear you. If your priorities in prayer are worldly success in killing my enemies and my own pleasure and happiness and my fans on Facebook, then your priorities in prayer are wrong. Jesus said we would not be heard in prayer because we prayed long. Frequent repetition of the same prayer over and over does not get you special access to God. And the Bible tells us in James that if we pray with the wrong motive, we won't get answers. James 4.3 says when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You only want what will give you pleasure. But when you make God's priorities your priorities, then you are promised answers to prayer. You're promised everything you need. That's the truth summed up in Jesus' words in Matthew 6.33. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Seek his priorities. Pursue them. Make progress towards them. And live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. So seeking God first is the priority that will move you out of your mess. If you'll start pursuing what really matters to God, and if you'll make God's priorities your priorities, there will come a new strength. There will come a new power. There will come a new anointing to move you out of your mess. You'll find freedom in your life, and you'll find the power to help 
people address their mess too. That's the amazing lesson we can learn from the nation of Sweden. Like any other nation, Sweden some years ago was generating more rubbish, more mess uh, than they knew what to do with. There were trash and garbage and rubbish heaps. There were landfills and it was creating pollution all over the beautiful land of Sweden. Sweden was focused on manufacturing and producing goods and it seemed that the resulting rubbish was a mess they would have to live with. But then a number of years ago, Sweden changed priorities. Rather than ignoring their mess, Sweden started looking at ways to clean up their mess. They wanted to focus on not just production, but doing so in a way that they wouldn't be buried under a mess. So the nation of Sweden started finding creative ways to use rubbish as a source of fuel for their power generators. After several years and much scientific study, the Swedes came up with a way to power their generators using rubbish. Today, the people of Sweden recycle their rubbish so effectively, nearly half of all electricity in Sweden comes from their trash. In fact, Sweden has become so good at cleaning up their mess, they now import rubbish from other nations in order to run their power generators. They've moved out of their own mess, and they're helping other nations get rid of their mess too. That's what God wants to do with you. He wants to move you out of your mess so you can be in a position to help other people move out of their mess. And when you and God tackle the mess in your life, then he turns it into something useful. He can turn your mess into a message that fuels your purpose. He can use your testimony as a tool to turn other people around. And I declare to you today, God is positioning you to be a mess eraser. God is positioning you to be a problem destroyer. God is positioning you to be a life changer. He wants to move you out of your mess so you can help others move out of their mess. That's why the Bible says in Romans 6.19, in the past, you offered the parts of your body to be slaves to your immoral and sinful thoughts. The result was that you lived only for sin. In the same way, the same way you chased women, the same way you chased money, in the same way, you must now offer yourselves to be slaves to what is right. Give every part of yourself to God. Then you will live only for God. You will move out of your mess when you live only for God. It begins when you believe the promise of progress. God has started something good in you, and He will complete it. He brought you into His kingdom to transform you and perfect you. He loves you too much to leave you the way you are. And if you will pursue God, if you'll chase after Him, you will accelerate His work in your life. Make spiritual growth your pursuit. Pray for sanctification. Go after God, and God will elevate you to the next level in your life and make God's priorities your priorities. And you will live a mess-free life. You'll be pure and blameless and ready for Christ's return. And that's how you move out of your mess. Let me pray for you. Father in heaven, I come 
before your throne in the name of Jesus. Not in my righteousness, but by the power of your blood. I pray for everyone watching and listening today. Lord, we need transformation. Every single one of us has a mess in our lives we can't fix. And the mess is in us. So help us today to begin to see the promise of progress. Help us to latch hold of your promise that you've started something good in us. And you're going to complete it. To everyone who's discouraged. To everyone who's feeling frustrated. Right now, I loose grace from God to motivate you and move you to a new realm of hunger for the Lord. I pray God you give us a desperation that we will not turn to the right or the left but we will pursue you. We will go after you. We will devote ourselves to you. We will surrender everything to you. Lord make your priorities our priorities. Remove from us every aim and every goal of this world and give us a desire Lord to only pursue you and you alone. Lord, let your goal, your kingdom, your image, your purpose, your desires be ours today. We surrender to you. Move us out of the mess and give us the testimony, the power to move others out also. We thank you by faith in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. Don't forget next week, we'll be wrapping up the sermon series, Address the Mess. You've got to hear the message. There's a miracle in your mess. Join me next week. Until then, may God in his love be with you. God bless you for listening to this message. Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb is the senior pastor of Agape House New Testament Church in East Legon. If you are ever in Accra, we will like you to worship with us on Saturday night at 6 p.m., or on Sunday at 7.30 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11.30 a.m. You will have an awesome experience.